0: morning we are so glad that you're here today thank you for joining us for worship on this beautiful spring morning we're glad you're here I know it's spring break for a lot of people, but we're glad you've made it here today. Thank you for choosing to worship with this church family today. If you're a guest, we welcome you, and we would invite you to go by the Welcome Center afterwards today and pick up a gift. There is a bag on the end of the Welcome Center there for you, and just pick that up, and the gift is inside, and then some other information. Also, in in the pew in front of you, you should be able to find a QR code. If you want to put your camera on that, that will take you to a website that will give you lots of information about our church, and uh, it'll give you a guest registration form if you are a guest today, and we'd love for you to fill that out and, and send that back to us. But we are glad you're here. Thank you, and we pray that all of you feel the presence of God as we worship him today in his Holy Spirit. Those of you who have joined us by live stream, we wish the same for you, and we pray that you will feel uh, his presence if wherever you are today. We hope uh, you will feel that Uh, God touching your heart and surrounded by his love today. But Thank all of you for being here. Why don't you take a moment to stand and just greet those around you. Then we'll join together in singing, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. we sing together, Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Guide me
1: be seated. What a powerful and wonderful song that the praise of the Lord should always be on our lips and God is faithful. We know we have something to give praise to him about because he is always faithful and he loves you and he loves me so much that he would send his one and only son to don the cross to save us from our sin. If you have come in today Wondering if God loves you, He does. If you've been wondering if God will forgive you, He will. If you've been wondering if God has a purpose and a plan for what you're going through right now, He does. Even though we don't always know, that's where our faith kicks in. We live by or we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm so grateful today that His presence is here in this place. I'm grateful for the beautiful music, I'm grateful for the sweet spirit, and every week there's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before an almighty God, and to cry out to him in praise and thanksgiving, or to call on him in our need in prayer. And I'd like to invite you, if you're in this place, to join me at this altar. You may kneel, you can stand, you can place an arm of encouragement around someone if you're watching on live stream or Facebook live or YouTube, wherever you are can become your altar. But at this time, I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Won't you come pray with me today? of the living God, fall fresh on us. Oh God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for having a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our lives. Oh God, we humble ourselves before you, trusting that you will lift us up today. Father, there are many, who are on our hearts, maybe battling sickness or illness, facing surgeries, recovering from surgeries, in the hospital, in the nursing home. Father, someone who's home alone today that needs your touch, oh God, we lift them up to you. Father, I pray a special prayer for Sue Stone today in the hospital that you would strengthen her heart, and bless Bowman and her family, God, as I know they're concerned. Father, I pray that you would bless again all those who are on our prayer list. So many need your divine touch. Father, we continue to pray for revival and spiritual awakening in this country, Father, in our lives. In this church, may we see a great harvest of souls be saved and come to know Jesus Christ. Father, we continue to pray for the people of Ukraine that you would put a hedge of protection around them. Bless all those refugees. Bless, Father, our leaders in this nation. Give them godly wisdom and counsel. Father, I pray for this church and all the churches that are preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, that every church would be filled with people hungering and thirsting after you. And Father, we just pray this morning, if there are those who have never placed their faith and trust in you, May a song that's sung, a prayer that's prayed, your word that's proclaimed, speak to them through the power of your Holy Spirit and draw them, draw them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive me, forgive us of any sin that would hinder our worship today. I pray that our hearts would be pure and our hearts would be right. Because you tell us in your word, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And God, we want to see you. We want to see you in this place. We want to see you in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces. Father, in the gym, we want to see you, God, in our every area of our lives. And ultimately, we want to see you face-to-face one day in glory, and what a day that will be. So, Father, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would just move in a powerful way, that you would continue to sing and play through our instrumentalists and musicians, speak through your word and through your servant. And I pray, O God, that when I am weak, then I will be strong through Jesus Christ. Speak through me, Lord. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor both now and forevermore. In the strong and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 16? John chapter 16, and as you're doing that, I'm grateful that our choir and our instrumentalists will be coming to lead us after the reading of God's Word. Thank you all for being here today, and thank you once again for being here and allowing the Spirit of the Lord to be in this place. Begin with verse 16 of John chapter 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, you will grieve. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. thank you all for leading so beautifully, and thank you for being here this morning. I always like to share a little humor at the beginning of the message, and this is no joke. This is uh, a real life, uh, something that happened to me. This is one of these things that probably, after I share it with you, you're going to say, bless his heart. (laughs) You know, bless your heart can mean so many different things, but On Friday, I was supposed to do a wedding rehearsal. I usually never do a wedding without doing some pre-marriage counseling first. That's just a policy that I've had. But situation came to where, as a favor of a friend, I, I said I would do their family member's wedding. The rehearsal was supposed to be at 3 o'clock on Friday at a place where I would never been before down in Millville called the Castle and Key. It's a distillery or a, a, a venue for weddings or, or what other events, and I had never been, thought 3 o'clock was, you know, a little unusual for a wedding rehearsal time, but, but I went and uh, went into the first, the gate, and there was someone with a little headset on, and you know, I told them who I was, that I was there for a wedding rehearsal. They sent me down and around to a gift shop, and then someone else with the headpiece comes out, and and I say once again who I am, and, oh, okay, well, uh, you know what? That wedding rehearsal's not supposed to be till 5. And I said, well, I, I understand. I said, I, I was told 3, but 5 o'clock, and said, there's a, Uh, you know, seating area over here. We have a nice bar across the way. I I said, I'm here to officiate a wedding. I mean, oh, you a minister in town? I said, yes, I am. So that's good to know. We might need you sometime, you know. So Elvis comes with Cloud Nine Wedding Chapel. So anyway, I said, uh, you know what? I live in town. I'll just come back. No big deal. And and said, you know, well, Nathan should be here in a little bit. And I said, oh, Nathan's a groom. Like I said, I had never even met, you know, uh, the couple. I was doing it as a favor of a friend. And so I go home, and well, I actually go visit my mom. And I said, well, I better be heading back to the castle and Key, head back down there around 4.30. I walk in, and same thing, the lady at the gate goes, you need to go around to the gift shop. So I go around to the gift shop. Another one with the little headset on said, I said, I'm, I'm here to do this wedding, you know, rehearsal, and said, oh, okay, uh, well, um, and I, in the meantime, when I was there the first time, I'd given my email address so the coordinator had sent me an email with the timeline and wanted to know my time of the arrival so they could include that on the day of the wedding timeline. And so all that is to say, I'm there just kind of ho-humming well, said well you need to go back up front to the gate and there they someone will take you over to the garden and there's a beautiful garden with a, a fountain and and uh so I started heading back that way and then here comes a wedding coordinator and I said oh hello I'm Todd I'm doing yeah well you can follow me so we go over there and go down to the garden and there's some people gathered around and I figured out it's the groom's parents and And I go up to the dad and I said, hello, I'm Todd Lester. I'm officiating the wedding. He goes, hello. (laughs) I never met him before and I thought, well, you know, maybe they're nervous about their son getting married. So then they said, follow us. And then we go over to another area where there will be a rehearsal dinner and there will be, I guess, reception. I go in and I'm looking at pictures of the couple and the tables are all set up so nicely and... I'm just wondering. I don't see anyone I know. And I'm like, you know, this is really uncomfortable. So then I noticed that the groom's picture, obviously, and all these pictures was standing over there. And I go over to the groom and I said, Are you Nathan? He goes, Yes, I am. I said, Nathan, so nice to meet you. I'm Todd Lester. I'm officiating your wedding. He said, Uh, hmm. He said, My buddy Ben is doing the wedding. And I said, uh, I don't, uh, you know what, I've been talking to uh, the, the bride-to-be's dad and told him the name, and he goes, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I said, are you, are you marrying Jackie? No, I'm marrying Tiffany. <laughs> so we go walking over, he goes, let's go talk to the wedding coordinator I go over and we go over, and he goes, This guy said he's here to do our wedding when my buddy's doing the wedding. Go on, blah, blah, blah. And she said, Oh, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry. Your wedding is next weekend. (laughs) I said, I guess the April Fool's is on me. (laughs) It was April Fool's Day. (laughs) Bless my heart. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that, so my whole day I was waiting around to do this rehearsal and and wedding rehearsal, meet these people. anyway, there was a reason, no doubt, don't know what it was or is yet, but there was a reason. Now if I can remember the sermon that I'm supposed to preach to you today. A few weeks ago, we began a mini-series of sermons called The Promises of Easter, and we were looking at some promises that Jesus gave his disciples and us before going to the cross. You remember the first week he promised us of a place. Remember he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me and my Father's house or many rooms. If it were not, so I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. He was promising a place, and we all know what that place is. It's heaven. It's eternal life. That's a place that's promised for those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then last week, we talked about the promise of a person, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. But when the advocate, the Holy Spirit, comes, my Father will send him. In my name and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you the promise was that the Holy Spirit would be a, a a comforter and be a convictor and be a counselor last week we talked about he would be a game changer the Holy Spirit is a game changer in our lives today we come yet to another promise that we're going to share in just a moment but I've shared with you on many occasions, maybe you're this type person too. I always cheer for the underdog. Do you always cheer for the underdog? I I like to cheer for the underdog. I I even began to cheer for St. Pete after they beat Kentucky and the NCAA. I said, well, they might as well just win it all. I'm, I'm cheering them on the way. Last night, I was cheering, sorry, Gary, for North Carolina. I was cheering for North Carolina. They were the underdog. My wife said, don't you feel bad at all that this was Coach K's last game? I said, nope, I sure don't. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just honest. But then I've always cheered. I've always cheered, you know, for the underdog. I've loved those underdog movies like Rudy. You know, Rudy, Rudy. I've loved underdog movies like Rudy. I've loved... Hoosiers, uh, I've loved uh, Facing the Giants, Remember the Titans, uh, I've loved movies like Rocky, you know, when Rocky Balboa would fight those uh, fierce opponents, and in particular, you've heard me make mention of his fierce opponent in Rocky Three was Mr. T, Clubber Lang, y'all remember that? You remember when Mr. T or Clubber Lang was asked his prediction for the fight, you remember this, what he said? We now switch to our remote cameras inside the dressing rooms. Would you care to comment on
2: how you plan to fight Balboa? What's your strategy? Don't need any. Balboa is so predictable and stupid, the man comes straight ahead. He's still a maid for me, and he's gonna get hurt.
0: What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain.
1: That's the only line i know from that movie. What's your prediction? Pain, pain. Well, Jesus in our scripture today would be like a coach in the locker room or a trainer in the dressing room trying to prepare his disciples, his team for what was ahead. And his prediction for the days ahead was pain. That was his prediction for the fight ahead was pain. And it shouldn't have surprised the disciples. Jesus had told them many different times in Luke 9:22, "The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must die. And be resurrected on the third day or raised to life. It shouldn't have surprised them that Jesus was going to be suffering. Now, here's what potentially could have been a shock to them when he said, Now you're going to suffer and you are going to grieve and you're going to go through hardship. And then Jesus gave these words to his disciples. And these words are for us. These promises are to help us in our daily walk with Christ. Because in our scripture passage, Jesus makes it clear that we are going to have pain. We are going to have pain. In verse 20, well first, let me back up. He said, in a little while, you will not see me. And then after a little while, you will see me. You know what he was talking about. He was talking about, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection. a little while, you're not going to see me. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to be put in a tomb. And then after a little while, then you will see me. He was talking about when he was going to be raised to life. They, They couldn't figure it out, even though he had shared with them on many occasions exactly what was going to happen. They couldn't fully understand. But then Jesus said in verse 20, Very truly I say to you, you will weep, and mourn, and you will grieve. This is how it is for you. Now is the time of grief. You know, as much as possible, we as parents, if you're a parent, or if you have loved ones, we try to prepare our children, protect our children, prevent problems from up ahead, from them experiencing pain. But it's inevitable that we all one day go through pain and suffering. As much as we try to protect, as much as we try to get prepared and ready, we cannot prevent many times what pain they go through, as much as we want to do that. And Jesus was trying to prepare and to protect, prevent them from any unforeseen uh, lack of understanding by telling them exactly what was going to take place. And many times when we're suffering, when we're going through pain, we think no one understands. And let me tell you, we don't always, I don't always understand what you're going through. You don't always understand what I'm going through. But we know that Jesus always understands. We look in Isaiah 53:3, which was Isaiah prophesying about this particular time in history when he referred to Jesus as the one who was despised and rejected by mankind. He was familiar with suffering and with pain. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. And so we know that Jesus understands our pain and our suffering and our grief even when we don't always understand. He even was a little more specific in John chapter 15, verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Did you know that when we are truly trying to live for Jesus Christ, the world will hate you and me? Why? Because the Christian life is in contrary to the way of the world. And I've said it, many times before. If your co-workers, your schoolmates, your teammates, and your friends can't tell the difference, and you as a Christian and those that are not Christians, then we must be doing something horribly wrong because there should be a marked difference in how we live our lives. No, not as arrogant, holier-than-thou, I'm better than you, but as humble followers of Jesus Christ, trying to live a godly and obedient life, which is contrary to the kind of life that the world says for you and me to live. And so Jesus said, look, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. And verse 20 of John 15 said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Wouldn't it be awesome? And some of us already have, and some of you maybe will. I hate to tell you this what an honor and a privilege it is to be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. What a blessing to be persecuted for trying to live out the kind of life Jesus Christ would have us live. As a matter of fact Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, in fact anyone who wishes, or chooses to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Anyone who chooses, anyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We will endure suffering. We will endure pain. A verse that I've come to love and appreciate so much more through the years is John 16, when Jesus said just a little bit later, and remember Remember when Jesus is saying this, he's still in the upper room with his disciples after washing their feet, after taking the last supper. Remember that Jesus is going to the cross in less than 24 hours. This is on the eve of his crucifixion. Jesus said in John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Isn't that great news? We know, we know that we overcome through Christ. And even though we suffer, and we have lost so many wonderful people these last couple of years. Many of you have lost loved ones. We have lost so many wonderful Christian family members from this fellowship, and we grieve with you, and we suffer alongside one another. I wish that were not the case, but we do. There's a promise that we will have pain. I guess it was about two weeks ago or less than two weeks ago, I was working in my office, and I was looking down, and I have a TV in which many times and we have them throughout the church where there's our security cameras we have security cameras that have little uh, boxes that show different parts of the church and anyway I, I was just reading or working at my desk and I looked up and there was movement that caught my eye on the screen and I saw someone who had gone to the front door trying to get in and I just want to tell you all, if you ever come to the church during the week, for safety purposes, the doors are usually locked, but there is a little box on the right-hand side of the front door and also under the portico that you can buzz, and someone will say, may I help you, and we'll buzz you in if you're no threat to any of us here in the church. And so and or you can get in through the cross center doors downstairs where there's always someone at the desk. But I noticed someone caught my eye, had gone to the front door, and then they tried the portico door. And then I saw them get in their car, I didn't recognize them. then I saw them go to the side door over here. And by this time, I'm like, well, somebody really wants to get in badly. And so I went and let my wife in finally. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But anyway, I, I went to the, it was not my wife. I, I went down, I went down to the door, and there I was greeted by a gentleman. I didn't know him, and he was holding something under his arm. And this is, this is the funniest. I've told this story. I, I said, sir, may I help you? And he said, are you Todd Lester? And pardon me, I wanted to say it depends on who's asking I might, I might, I might or may not be. And I said, yes, sir, I am. May I help you? And what he had under his arm was a picture frame with the picture. And he held it up. And there was a picture of a lady that I used to work with who had passed away. And he held up that picture and just started crying. I lost my sweetheart. I said, sir, I am so sorry. I was looking for arrangements for someone recently. I saw her name and picture in the obituary. And I said, I'm so sorry I didn't make it, you know, to the visitation. Or sorry, he said, we didn't have one. She didn't want to have one. I said, "I, I understand. He was hurting. He was grieving. And I, I listened to him as he recalled precious memories. I listened and I shared that smile on her face. And this picture is exactly how I remember her. And she was always so sweet and kind to me. And, and I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and I will certainly be praying. I said, as a matter of fact, I'd love to pray with you. I said, would you like to come up into my office? And we were just standing in the stairwell. He said, I'm just feel just as comfortable to stand right here if it's all right with you. I said, yes, sir. So after we talked, I prayed with him. as I, I said, is there anything else I can do for you? He goes, you've already done it. So many times when people are suffering and hurting, they just need somebody to, to listen and to know that someone cares for them, that someone understands the grief and the hurt that they're going through. And maybe that's you today. You're grieving over the loss of a loved one. You're, you're grieving because you have constant pain in your life. You're battling illness. You have a, a child that's, that's struggling with an illness or, or, or an addiction, or you, you have a family member that's gone astray. And we all hurt in some way and suffer. But it shouldn't be a surprise because Jesus promised that we would have weeping and mourning and you will grieve now is your time of grief. But not only do we have the promise of pain, but there's a second promise. There's a promise of pure joy. In verse 20, he said, but your grief will turn to joy. And in verse 22, he says, in a little while you will see me and your grief will turn to joy, and no one will take away your joy. No one. I I thought about that. I think one of our worship teams does, don't we do old church choir, Zach Williams, ain't no one, or ain't nothing gonna steal my joy, ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Well, now here's what he was talking about, that he said, look, in a little while you're gonna see me again. That's the resurrection. Before it was the sorrow of separation, but now it would be the joy of reunion. Now you have something to be joyful about because I'm coming back. And we know we're going to be reunited again. That's what I've said so many funerals before. We do not grieve as those who will never see their loved one again because when we were in Christ, we're going to see them again. There will be a great reunion and glory where we celebrate together. But he offers that pure joy. And you look in John chapter 15, verse 9. He said, uh, I love you as the Father has loved me. Now remain in my love. And then in verse 15, he shared, verse 11 of John 15, he says, My joy I give you so that in you my joy may be complete. We should have joy knowing that God loves us and that God forgives us. And even though his sacrifice was painful and even though we grieve with sorrow, we rejoice knowing that it saved us from our sin and that we will see him again in glory. And so our grief now turns into joy. And when I say pure joy, I'm using what James said in James chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, when he said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And some of you all are here today, and I guarantee you, our faith is being tested. And you're saying, Lord, I don't, whoo, man, I'm I'm considering it. I'm counting it pure joy, but it's not easy. It's tough. But I know, God, if I persevere, then my faith will be increased, and you will bless me on that special day. I shared with you all back in July my Sixteen-year-old daughter, Sophie, had just gotten her permit about a week after getting her permit, we were driving back from Versailles, and most of y'all have heard me share the story that we were there at the stoplight on Versailles Road, getting ready to turn left there by the bank and the car dealership, when, as we were turning, an oncoming oncoming car was coming fast, and we hit head-on, spun us around, airbags deployed. And uh, instantly I reached over to my daughter who was driving. I said, Sophie, are you okay? She was shaking, crying. Praise God, we were okay. And every day now, not only do I thank God for saving me spiritually, but I thank God for saving my daughter, Sophie, and me physically, which could have been a fatal accident. And I hope that if God has saved you, that you will thank Him every day for saving you, that we don't take for granted His grace But as Sophie and I stood outside that car that was totaled with people passing by, as we were embracing one another, she said, I'm never going to drive again. I'm never, I'm never going to drive again. I said, honey, you, you will, you will. This, this set her back, and she was confident before that, but it set her back, and, and, uh, and I said, honey, you're, you're going to drive again. God will help you through this, and we love you. You're a good driver. That was my fault. I'm the one who told you to turn, turn. And I said, you're going to drive. Well, this past week, my daughter and my two daughters were on spring break, and uh, my daughter Sophie kept leaving me little Post-it notes uh, or little cards on my car, on my bed, in the kitchen, practice parking with me. (laughs) Practice parking with me. So we came out here to the church one afternoon. We set up cones out in front of the church, and and she was practicing. She was trying to park because she had been told that they put cones out. And she goes, Dad, I can't see the cones. I can't see the cones. And I said, well, lift your seat. So she was up like this, trying to look back over, and, and, uh, but she did fine, she did great, and this past Thursday, she went downtown Frankfort, and I'm grateful one of our students had given her a practice run of exactly where the course was going to be, and where they do all that, and, and so she was nervous, I was praying, I wanted to show my support, so Kelly had taken her, and my daughter, Ann Catherine, were waiting on the side of the road, but it was kind of rainy, kind of misty, and I said, well, I want to come there, too. I want to come and support, and, and I'm praying all the way. When I get down to 4th Street, downtown Frankfurt, you know, I, I'm, I see other parents waiting for their children, someone else with the clipboard, and, and so there wasn't anywhere for me to probably do a big U-turn in the middle of 4th Street and pull over by Kelly. She said, get out of the way. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming. And I think the guy giving the test jokingly told her that she had failed, but praise God, she passed, got her driver's license, and she had pure joy all over her face. (laughs) Pure joy. Now, that was a long story to get to the point. The point is, some of you have had accidents in your life. Some of you have made a wreck of your life. But when we keep the faith and we persevere, God will bless you and me. He'll bless us with the supernatural strength to keep on keeping on, to have pure joy. God's people should be the most joy-filled people of anyone in the world. The joy of the Lord should ooze from us. The joy of the Lord is our strength, it says in Nehemiah 10. And we should always have a pure... It's a promise, that not only will we have pain, but we'll have pure joy. But then lastly, that we will have a prayer that is confident and answered by God's faithfulness. A prayer that is confident and answered by God's faithfulness. Jesus said in verse 23 that you will no longer ask me anything. He was saying, look, up until now, I've been with you. But, I'm going to be leaving here. And the paraclete, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and He's the one. And then He said, Very truly, I tell you, ask my Father for anything, and he will, in my name, and He will give it to you. Ask the Father anything in my name, and He will. That is the authority of Jesus Christ. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, in the strong name of Jesus, there is authority in the name of Jesus Christ. I think the demons shudder at the name of Jesus Christ. The enemies go running in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are to ask, doesn't mean... Just like our earthly parents, our father, or our mothers, we can ask them, but do our parents always give us or have given us everything that we ask for? No, why? Because they know what's best for us. They maybe didn't give it to us because they knew we didn't need what we were asking for. Same way with God the Father. He may not give us everything we want, but he gives us everything we need. Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We know that we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we know that in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he qualifies by saying this then is how we ought to approach God, that we should ask according to his will and that he will hear us. Anything that we ask, we should ask according to his will. And he hears us. That's the qualifier. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross said, My Father... If it is possible, take this cup or remove this cup from me. Talking about the cup of suffering, the cross. But not my will, but your will be done. That's how we ought to pray. God, if it's your will, may it be done. I want to close by sharing this past week, you know, and I hope you've been praying for Lee Rainwater, a recreation leader who's been recovering from a very serious surgery and Lee is getting better, but continue to pray for he and Mary as he recovers. Even when Lee is here, I'll try to go down to the cross center uh, once or twice a day. Just uh, I'll be studying or I'll meet with someone or I'll be praying. And I walk just to come fellowship with some of you all who are there or to see who's there. And I'll wave or strike up a conversation with one of our volunteers. Or I'll just go meet and greet people and I've tried to do that a couple of times a day, especially when Lee has been out. I'll just go check on things and say, if you all need me, I'm just upstairs, whatever it may be. This past week, I just walked down, and it was kind of a, a low point in the day. There weren't many people here, and I visited out in the foyer, and then I made my way back to the Nautilus room, and, and there when I walked in on a couple of the exercise bikes was Melanie Bonassi and another lady on the exercise bike and Melanie turned around she said God's timing is perfect when I went over to talk with them I said what's going on the lady that was on the one exercise bike they began to share with me that she has battled some cancer in her life and now there was some uh, potential for more cancer to be back in her body And Melanie was ministering to her and encouraging her. And and Melanie said, you know what? She's at that point where I have been in my life to say, whatever, God, whatever your will, I'm okay. Then she said, didn't you remember, Todd, what you told me? And I said, yes, that we should be specific in our prayer. Remember when blind Bartimaeus in Luke chapter 18 was on the side of the road? When Jesus was passing by, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd told him to be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus looked at blind Bartimaeus, and he said, what is it you want? Do you remember what he said? Lord, I want to see. He was specific in his prayer. And remember that day he said, your faith has saved you. And his sight was restored. But I prayed with that sweet lady. And she got emotional. And I prayed specifically that God would heal her in every area of her body. And I pray that for many of you all that God would heal you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet with his wounds, with his stripes, you are healed. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, whatever it is, he's that kind of God who can heal all the above if that's his will according to his will, but I can tell you this today, I know this for sure, he wants you and me to be saved. That's why he died on the cross, that he would save us from our sin. I know this for sure, he forgives you today, and he wants to come into your heart, into your life. He wants you from this point on to start living for him instead of the world. Because the world brings no joy, only heartache and pain. But he brings real joy, pure joy. And his grace is sufficient, and his power is made perfect in our weakness. And he wants to give you that power and strength today. And all you have to do is have the confidence to come to him just as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to say, well when I get mama here, when I get daddy here, when I get my whole family, when I get my life cleaned up, when I get a job, when, I, when we move, after I think about it, he wants you to come right now just as you are and place your trust in him completely. He'll take care of the details. Just come as you are. Aren't you ready to do that? It's a promise from God that he loves you and he'll save you as we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there's anyone here and they've never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart to be their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation, that someone or many would pray, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray if someone could pray that prayer today and mean it, that they would not be afraid or ashamed to show it. Lord, I pray that some Christians here maybe that have gotten off track and they've questioned you, God, if you love me, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why am I hurting Why am I grieving? Why did my loved one die? And as we shared Wednesday, the why maybe sometimes turns into for what purpose? For what purpose? Maybe it's to draw us closer to you than we've ever been before. Lord, maybe there are folks that have been visiting and they feel your spirit in this place and they want to be a part of this church family. We're not perfect, I'm not perfect, but you are. And as long as we keep our eyes on you, we can never go wrong. Help us, oh God, to come today and place our faith and trust in you. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're in this place and come. As we sing a hymn of commitment or invitation, if you're watching at home, Contact our office if we can pray with you about your decision. But I'm going to invite you to come as we sing together. Won't you answer his call as he calls for you and me? Amen. I want to thank you all so much for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I hope and pray that you have felt His presence and you will be encouraged as you go from this place to live a life that's holy and pleasing for our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that His promises are true and that we never have to worry about whether or not He's telling us the truth because He's always the way, the truth, and the life. Please know that we have some exciting things going on tonight. Don't forget if you're involved in one of our small group Bible studies at 6. Our youth, I think, are meeting at Pizza Inn tonight at 6. And then our children will be meeting here. And then don't forget next Sunday, Palm Sunday, our choir will be presenting their program along with the orchestra. You don't want to miss it. It'll be a great day of worship followed by an Easter egg hunt for our children at 4 o'clock. And so it's going to be a great day all together. And don't forget about Fellowship Meal Wednesday at 5 and the prayer meeting at 6. We have a great time together. Thank you all so much for being here. I know it's spring break for a lot of folks, and we pray for their safety. But thank you all for coming, for allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I hope you have an awesome Rest of the day and a great week. We love you and God loves you. Bill, if you would close us with a song. Thank you. May we pray, O oh God, we do need you every hour, every moment of every day, and as we go from this place, God, may we keep our eyes fixed upon you, and may we look for others that we can comfort and minister to and point them to the hope we have in Jesus Christ, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.